All right, here we go. Game Changers Media Network, Game Changers Magazine, Voices of the Village podcast. Today I'm with Miss Yolanda Wright. How you doing today, Miss Wright? Good. Good, good. Miss Yolanda Wright, you um, are a part of Restore, Revive, Renew Ministries. Um, what inspired you to start the Restore, Revive, Renew Ministries? Well, actually, I started it in 2013. Okay. Uh I went through a divorce around 2009 Okay. Uh, after being married for 17 and a half years. Wow. And I was a church girl, but still a church girl. Okay. Uh, my dad, deacon, my mom, you know, working in the church. So I was raised in the church, you know, uh, also a musician, choir director. So I was a church girl, born, bred in the church. Right. So... My parents were married for 55 years uh, by the time my mom passed away for 55 years. So I, I knew, you know, what marriage life supposed to look like. Right, right. Um, but at 25 years old, I got married. I just thought everybody was good. You know, I was naive, just thought everybody was good. You yes, know, yes. I'm looking at everybody going to be like your daddy, <laughs> you know. So I married without asking any questions, no background questions, nothing, because okay. he wasn't from the area. Right. And, um, you know, saw signs, ignored signs. Right. Uh, got into this marriage, and um, first it started out with verbal abuse. Okay. And then it escalated. Uh, didn't even realize that he came from a family of uh, generational uh, alcoholism. Right. So alcohol played a huge role in the abuse. Okay. And after 17 and a half years of dealing with this and hiding it from my family, uh, the church, I finally had to walk away. Wow. Um, and I left with just garbage bags full of clothes with me and my daughter. Okay. Um, well, you know, the term when you, you know, when you're tired of being sick and tired. Yes, sir. When you do something. Well, I was finally tired of being sick and tired. Okay. Um, after years of verbal and physical, you know, abuse. Um, so fast forward to 2013, mm -hmm. uh, it was actually the idea of um, my former pastor okay. uh, that I should start a nonprofit. I was already out in the streets doing the work, right? Uh, but I was doing it as a hustle, <laughs> you know, because I didn't know anything about how to organize a nonprofit. Right. So I was out there feeding the homeless, clothing the homeless, going to the shelters for the uh, battered women. Right. I was out there doing the work, but I didn't know anything about organizing, you know, getting it legally okay. done. So So you had a heart for people. Yes. Okay. Had a heart for people. And I've always been had the servant heart. Okay. And um so I started in twenty thirteen and then my mom uh got sick. Right. And I had to become a caretaker to her. Okay. Uh and you know those years she she battled cancer for a long time. So I was still doing the work, but like I said, it was as a hustle. I wasn't organized. Right, right. And then my dad got sick, and I <laughs> became his caretaker. And then he passed away last year. And, you know, he told me, he says, I want you to live. 
He said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to live. He says, you, you've taken care of me. You're taking care of your mom. Now I want you to live and I want you to do the things that make you happy. Right. So I was determined I was going to get organized and relaunch this nonprofit the right way. Okay. And that's where it was born again this year. This year. All right. So Restore, Revive, Renew started from your personal journey. My personal journey. And your personal journey. Now, in that personal journey and not to dig too deep, you know, because we don't want to relive those scars. But in that personal journey, um, what what was it was you say it wasn't a lack of a father. It wasn't a lack of not understanding the father, seeing a marriage. It was just more so of making the wrong choice. It was making the wrong choice. Like I said, being a church girl. Right. You know. The church, you know. One thing I can say is. They sweep a lot of stuff up under the carpet. Correct, correct, correct. <laughs> yes. No, one thing I found out later in life, I wasn't the only one going through stuff like this at church, but everybody kept it a secret. So it's so many secrets. Right. You know, right. in the church. You know, they don't want you, you know, they don't want you to talk about, you know, your husband beating on you at home. Yes. Now that you're supposed to keep that stuff quiet. Yes. You're supposed to come to church, act like everything is good, look like the good happy couple. And that's what we did. I would get up on Sunday morning fight like heck, get in the vehicle, put makeup up under my eyes, come to church, direct the choir. He would go to church, be the armor bearer, play the happy couple, leave there and go back to fighting. Wow. <laughs> Nobody had a clue. Okay. So when it was all said and done, the question was, we thought y'all was the perfect couple because we played the role. Wow. Because that's what was expected of us. Well, well, Churches have marriage ministries. Uh, well, they say they have marriage ministries and all of that type of stuff. Did what did that did, 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 didn't help? The church did you guys that I went to had no marriage ministry. And to be honest with you, like I said, he okay. was the armor bearer. It, so the, the pastor knew what was going on. Oh, no. But they were buddies. Wow. <laughs> Outside of the church. So you can. Take that how you kind of take that what you want. Okay, okay. Now, when it comes down to restore, revive, renew, I remember um, partnering with you earlier in your mission where you were fighting to advocate for felons and helping them getting their rights restored. So when you say you were hustling, I I really look at it as a heart for the people because you were trying to find your way. Mm -hmm. Um, What motivated you to help get felons back active to vote? I know you partnered with Dr. Dion. I think it's Dion Jefferson. Jefferson uh-huh. Okay, tell yeah. us what motivated you to do that. Well, I had felons in my family. Okay, you know that you know thought that they couldn't vote, and when I say I was hustling, I just mean I wasn't running an organized organization. I was running it as a hustle. Right, right. Not you know? as a five or one, right. three. Exactly. That type of thing. I got you. Exactly. So. I had, like I said, I had young guys in my family that had served time, okay. been in and out of jail, but when it came time to voting, they didn't even attempt to vote because they just thought, right. I can't vote. Right. I got a record. Right. And so one day I was listening to talk radio. Actually, I was listening to uh, Rashad Ritchie okay. on talk radio, and he was talking about that, you know, on his his, his uh radio station right, right. about felons' right to vote because I think it was an upcoming election coming up or something around that time. Okay. And I was like, man, this is something I need to do. I said, because I got people in my family that don't even vote because they think that 
they don't have the rights to vote because they have a record. Right. And so when we partnered up and we did that and start walking the streets, knocking on doors, we found there was a lot of people in McDonough <laughs> that had, you know, felons that were felons and had never voted because, but they were, you know, it was all probation. They was all parole, but they didn't realize they had rights. Yeah. The rights have, um, some stipulations to them because all felons can't vote. Right. But right. for certain things, you can still vote after your record is clear. After you've served your time, absolutely, you, you can still vote. So that's that's what motivated me to do it because I had family members that you know wasn't voting because of that. Okay, and really, you changed the game. Uh, in that because at the time I didn't know my I didn't know my voting rights and I stopped voting and you educated me and I mean that inspired me to go out in the community and just push hard mm -hmm. so you definitely changed the game into what Henry County is now shaped up to be because I, I feel like if it wasn't for some of those felons getting out to vote being registered to vote, a lot of our local leadership wouldn't be here today. Absolutely. Absolutely. How do you feel about that? I agree 100% because, you know, I'm a native. Okay. And uh, I know what Henry County was, <laughs> you know. I yes. know where Henry County has been, where it's been and where it's come from. And I pray to God that it keeps going forward, you know, for the best. Right. But, uh, yes, it's shaped where we are today. Because okay. we didn't have all these people of color. No. In positions. No. No, you not know, at all. I didn't see this growing up in Heron County. <laughs> you know, we had one black on the police department. Okay. You know? Okay. Uh, maybe two, because my cousin ended up being a, a police at one time. Right, right. So, but we didn't have a commissioner's all black, a majority black. Right, right. City council, all black or majority black. And definitely not a black mayor. Definitely, so, definitely. Yes, it did shape Henry County somewhat to what it is today because you got more people on the voting roll. Okay. That were that were not voting. And then that's something I am very proud of. It, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you because again, like you say, you were definitely boots on the ground in mobilizing and advocating for felons. And even though you were trying to find your way, I find that impactful because we see the results of what actually happened. Absolutely. You know, um, let us go to a commercial break. We're okay. going to go to a commercial break and we're going to come back with part two. Okay. Um, you guys stay tuned. We got Yolanda Wright, Restore, Revive, Renew, Incorporated. Stay tuned. Part two, Game Changers Media Network, Game Changers Magazine, Voices of the Village podcast. Ease up. Water is one of the most essential needs required every day to live a healthy life. Not only do third world countries suffer, water is now a global matter happening right here in America. Although the earth is made up of 71% water with limited access and distribution, only 1% of it is available to consumers for daily use. This is why Life Beyond Water Global Outreach has set its efforts to provide aid and relief to communities suffering from water crisis, and we can't do it without your help. Our efforts in urban areas such as Jackson, Mississippi and Flint, Michigan created resources to those who suffer poor water infrastructure challenges to accommodate simple needs like bathing, flushing the toilet, and access to tap. Visit us at lifebeyondwater.org or follow us online at Life Beyond Water for more information. Can you imagine life without water? We can't. Hashtag go beyond.
Welcome to the all-new Kim Mays State Farm Agency, located at 102 Vincent Avenue in Stockbridge, Georgia, next to the Kroger Plaza on Flippin' Road and Hudson Bridge. Recognized by the city of Stockbridge for her community service, Kim specializes in auto, home, and life insurance. We also offer investment and financial planning services, as well as mortgages and refinancing. As an award-winning State Farm agent, Kim's strive is to be one of South Metro Atlanta's leaders in business with a team of qualified professionals in customer service, sales, and compliance, Covered by Kim continues to lead the way in giving clients quality service to meet their needs. Call us today at 770-282-6622 for your free home, auto, life, or small business insurance quotes. Follow us online at all social media platforms at Covered by Kim, or for more information, visit our website at CoveredByKim.com. Are you Covered by Kim? Game Changers Magazine, Game Changers Media Network, Voices of the Village Podcast. I'm back with Miss Yolanda Wright, Restore, Revive, Renew Ministries. And Miss Yolanda, we were talking about in part one where you were advocating on the streets, helping felons, and you were finding your way in this journey. Now, I, I when I moved to McDonough, mm -hmm. I always looked at you as the, commu as the community choir director <laughs> because you had a way of bringing people together. You had a way of mobilizing uh, those who, who you saw light in as well that saw light in you. What inspired you to just continue to pour into others and, and, and kind of ignite their fire so that they can walk in their destiny? Actually, both of my parents were um, very, very deep-rooted into the community. Okay. Um, my dad, um, he uh, gave back with his charter bus service by taking people, churches and uh, schools and just people in general anywhere. Okay. Uh, at, a, at a small cost, he never charged people full price because that was his way of giving back. Right, right, and right. And like, so my mom ran a salon for years in the community, uh, helped so many people. So that's all I ever knew was serving and giving was back. Was serving and giving back. Giving back to people. <laughs> right, right. And so, that's where I got it from, just watching my parents over the years okay. give back in the community. And it was just born and bred in me. It was just in bread. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember when, um, and again, in the early stages, I remember you saying, hey, Drew, we're going to pack up on this bus. And we went downtown. We fed probably Absolutely. 400, 500 people. Absolutely. And you were mobilizing. Like, you were like a church within a church. Mm -hmm. You understand? So, like... When you were finding your way, um, you were going downtown. Tell us about going downtown and, you know, oh, feeding the man. hungry and, you know, making sure we clothe, clothe you know, those who are helping. That was so rewarding. That all started um, with just a group of us, me and I call them the Get Fresh crew, my <laughs> girls, just talking about, you know, doing something. Right, right. Uh, it was like. People always want to go out of the country and do stuff. We said, we got homeless people right here in Atlanta. Because at that time, we didn't have them in McDonough. Oh, yeah. You right. know, so we got homeless people laying on the streets in, in Atlanta. Like, we got to do something. Right. And I had a god brother that had a restaurant. <laughs> so, you know, I got with him. I said, dude, I said, you know, can we collab and go downtown and feed the hungry? Right. And he was like, I'm down for it. You just put it together. Yeah. Made phone calls. Went to my daddy because he had the bus. Right. I said, Dad, if I load this bus up, can you carry us downtown? He says, I'm on it. He said, let's do it. Man. Man, I made phone calls. People was like, yeah, we want to do it. We got the food together. A whole bus. Now, we weren't taking just no, like, 
spaghetti and bread down there. We took a whole buffet full of food down I remember there. that. Absolutely. <laughs> I remember that. And then I had one of my cousins at that time worked with Geodis, and um, they uh, was a supplier of uh, Levi's clothing. Okay. And all of the irregular clothes, they threw away. Okay. So I called them, and they said, like, you, can, you can have them. Just come down here, go through what you want. And take it. Take, we took take what you boxes need. of blue jeans, underwear, everything that right. we could get. We took it down there, and we started making this a mission once a month. We went down there, uh, uh, right there, that lot right there, right up above the Fulton County Jail. Okay. And we would just pull up in the lot in the big bus. Mm -hmm. And when we pulled up in the lot, you didn't see anybody. But as soon as we got everything set up... They just started coming out from everywhere, and we would feed and clothe so many people down there once a month, and it just became a thing. It just became a thing. Mm -hmm. Now those people are moving to Henry County. Yep. <laughs> and then, now those people are moving to Henry County, and I, I appreciate my dad. You know, right. may he rest in peace. But that bus did a lot. Yes, it did. It did a lot for us. Yes, it you know, did. We served a lot of people because of that bus. Absolutely, absolutely. And and when it when it came down to it, I, I believe you were able to mobilize and do multiple ventures because of the assets that your father had, absolutely. because of the assets that um, Pastor uh, Miracle Bass, a uh, mm -hmm. business owner, mm -hmm. he had. And I remember just going to collaborate with. Um, Pastor Bass and all the things he was doing in the community. Mm -hmm. So you were in a circle, or what we call what we call the family support circle. Absolutely. <laughs> and I've always had one thing I can say is I've always had the support. Okay. Um, I don't have to beg. Right. Definitely. You know, I don't have to lie. I don't have to scheme. Yeah. Because my name goes forth. Right. People know that if my name is on it, yes, it's the real deal. Right. So when I put something out there and said this is something that I want to do, the support comes. Exactly, exactly. Now let's talk about um, let, let let's talk about this. You're doing the work out of passion, out of passion, from the heart, from the heart. Okay, um, and when we talk about this and doing the work out of passion, a lot of people get caught up on people doing the work. Versus having five or one C3s. What do you think about that? Man, I did the work for so many years without a five or one C3. <laughs> and like I said, this started in 2013. I just got a five or one C3 in October of 2023. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, I had no funding. I had no grants. Right. All of this came from my pockets. Right. All of this came from people that wanted to donate to me freely without worrying about if it was a tax deduction. Right, right. You know, so when it comes from the heart, those are the simple things. You don't worry about those. You know, it's going to come. And, you know, the 501c3 came in God's timing. Right. Because I went to see Kirk Franklin at Newbirth one night. Okay. And end up sitting next to a sister that was Passing out a brochure that was passing out a brochure, uh -huh. and it was for her nonprofit. Right. And I say, you five one c three? She said, yeah. I said, who did yours? She says, I did my own. Uh huh. I said, can you do mine? And it took off from there. And it took off from there. 
Man, and, and, and sometimes I like I, I I like I prefer to work with people who have a passion. I pour into people. I don't care about your documenting, your paperwork, all of that stuff. Now we as streets of gentlemen have a five hundred one c three, but I'm in the same boat. When I started, I didn't have no five hundred one c three. I just had a heart for serving young men and serving brothers who Absolutely. were incarcerated. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? And I think a lot of people are getting caught up in this five hundred one c three. You know, oh, you can get the money, you can get this right here. But I like I don't see the passion from the organizations more so than I see the grassroots efforts of people. Absolutely. How does that make you feel? I, I agree 100 percent because all of those years I operated without the 501c3. Right. Not one time was I concerned about not having a 501c3. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not right, one right. time was I concerned about, oh, I need to find a grant writer to. I wasn't concerned about that. My concern was going downtown, making sure these people had food. Correct. Going downtown, making sure these folks had clothes. Going to the women's shelter to sit and talk to these women to find out their stories, to see what I could do to help them. Okay. You know, these are the things that were my concern. Absolutely. You know, even before the 501c3 came into, in October, I was getting phone calls at night saying, Hey, I got a lady at the park sleeping in her car with all seven kids. Can you help? Right. I didn't have funding. No. Yeah. But, but did I say, no, I can't help? I said, give me a moment. Let me call my crew. Yeah. I, I <laughs> sent out a text message to my crew and I started getting cash apps. Oh, wow. So I could help this lady. Wow. You know, so the passion must come before. Right. All of the. 501 C3s, the grant writers, and all of that. All of that stuff is good, but without passion, right. you have nothing. You have nothing. And you know, I think um, a lot of times, I, I, know, I remember you partnered with like Dr. Kai. I, I just being out in the streets, Dr. Kai asked me. She was a great mobilizer for yes. the African American community when she was here. Yes. You know, and I believe Dr. Kai create. Uh, you know, along beside you, kind of made African American people aware of who they are. Absolutely. Dr. Kai opened my eyes for sex trafficking. Okay. Uh, I really didn't know much about sex trafficking until I got involved with Dr. Kai. Okay. That was the eye opener for me. And that's when I realized there's a huge need out here for these victims also. So that's why I made Restoring New Revive also okay. a part of sex trafficking, not only for domestic violence, but all of it is still violence towards somebody else. Right, another right, person. right. Whether it's a man dealing with domestic violence, whether it's a woman dealing with domestic violence, whether it's a man dealing with sex trafficking or a woman dealing with sex trafficking. The gender doesn't make any difference to me. It's the act that's happening. I want to be there for the victims. And Dr. Kyle opened my eyes for sex trafficking. Most definitely, most definitely. Now, in talking about sex trafficking, I know you've seen it. We got a lot of truck stops in Henry County, mm -hmm. a lot of hotels, yes. motels that kind of present that activity. Mm -hmm. What are some of the faces of sex trafficking that you've seen right here in our local area? The misconception is most people think that sex trafficking is just an unknowing uh, teen walking down the street okay. somewhere and a van pull up and kidnap them and take them off. Right. That's not the face of sex trafficking. The majority of these, these young ladies get groomed. Oh, and wow. when I say groomed, that means they may be coworkers. 
They may be somebody they go to school with. Mm. They may be somebody they met on social media. They get to know them. These aren't strangers. Right, right, right. They groom them to make them feel comfortable with them. Mm. And once they get them to that vulnerable state, okay, that's when they, hey, let's go to the beach. Let's go to the mountain. Let's go here. Let's go there. Let's go out to eat. And you don't see this person again. Wow. Wow. So is so <clears throat> in, in in the the stereotype is they told us, you know, growing up in school, this is what sex trafficking looked like. White van pulling up, uh, a truck stop, or uh uh uh, uh uh, uh, the hotels by the truck stops, these were places where, you know, you need to be aware of. But you're telling us that these people are right in your family. They're your co-workers. They're your family and friends. They are in organized structures of looking, pretending to be somebody else. Absolutely. My most recent case, young lady um, worked for a company that does janitorial services for my job. Okay. She just disappeared. Right, right, right. And uh, I kept asking where she was at, and the coworker was saying, well, she don't work for the company anymore. Okay. Well, she popped back up. And after she popped back up, I said, where were you at? She says, can we talk in private? And I said, mm. yes. And she says, you know about sex trafficking? I said, yeah. I said, that's what I do. And her eyes lit up. She says, my boyfriend... Stole my car, kidnapped his co-worker, which was a 16-year-old girl. He's 25. Oh, my God. Took her to Florida and sex trafficked her. Whoa. This went on for four months before they caught him and rescued the girl. Wow. So that's what I stepped in now after okay. the fact to support the victim. To support the victim. Yes. Wow. But she worked with the guy at Subway. So he was preying on a young girl, yeah. like knowing said, her vulnerability. We call it grooming. Yeah. Wow. And, 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 and it's funny because I was talking to one of my brothers and we were talking about, you know, older men, you know, attracted to younger women. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's I, I hate when brothers say, oh, man, she's going to be bad when she grow up. Yeah, that's a trigger. That's a trigger. Mm -hmm. That's a trigger. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, she's going to be fine, man. That little girl going to be fine. Like, why do you have your eyes on a 16-year-old girl? You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand that. And you as a father, girls, you you, you know that's not. Yeah. That's not normal. That's not normal. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so. I've never looked at a 16-year-old girl and been like, oh, man, I can't wait till she get 18. Boy, boy. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I, I've never understood that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when it comes down to it in the sex trafficking phase, now you partnered with Dr. Kai in that in that initiative. Um, what are some of the things that people need to look out or young girls need to look out for when it comes to sex trafficking? Um, they just really need to be aware. Don't give too much information. Okay. 
because that's how they break them down. They, okay. they get to know everything about them. They get to know their patterns. They get to know everything about their families. Okay. And once they get the girls to where they want them, then they use that against them because I know your mama. I know where your mama be at. I know where your daddy be at. And if you tell anybody or if you try to escape, I know where she work at. I know where your father work. I know where you live at. Mm. And, and you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. And, and the, the one thing, the one thing that I've seen in Henry County, the faces of crime have changed, you know, and working alongside District Attorney Darius Patello, following his story, the faces of crime have changed because when I came to Henry County, it, the jailhouse was full of young black men who sold drugs. Mm -hmm. But now those faces are different faces of different nationalities who are pedophiles, who are child, who are rapists, who are child molesters, who watch child porn. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, and, I, and, I, and I remember one guy, you know, right before court, he killed himself because he was charged with molesting his 16-year-old daughter. What do you what do you what do you think about the faces of crime and how they change? It has changed. It's so unfortunate, and I do feel like social media has played a huge part in that. Okay. Because understand, twenty years ago, we didn't have open. We went open to the world. Yeah. Like it, we are now. Yes. Yes. You know, and young people put so much information out there. Yes, they do. Some old folks do too. Yes, they do. But young people put so much because they're so naive into what they're doing, they don't realize the danger it is in putting all this information out there. So you're opening the door to all these pedophiles, mm. all these rapists. My Lord. Because you're getting on social media, exposing yourself in all different types of ways. Mm. So... That's why the faces of criminals have changed. Have changed. Guys, you guys stay tuned. We're going to come back. We got to go to a commercial break. Yolanda, Yolanda Wright, Restore, Revive, Renew Ministries, Game Changers Magazine, Game Changers Media Network, Voices of the Village Podcast. You guys stay tuned. We got to go to a commercial break. Ease up. At Eagles Landing Diabetes and Endocrinology, our business is your health. Dr. Ronald S. Watts and his staff are dedicated to the pillars of quality health, such as equity, effectiveness, efficiency, integration, safety, timeliness, and people-centeredness. Eagles Landing Diabetes and Endocrinology specializes in the evaluation and treatment of diabetes and endocrine disorders thyroid, neck and parathyroid gland ultrasound examinations and vascular examination for peripheral artery disease are just some of the services that Dr. Ronald S. Watts and his staff provide. Looking for treatment? We are currently accepting new patients. Eagles Landing Diabetes and Endocrinology accepts all major insurance. Give us a call at 770-389-9494 or visit us at 550 Eagles Landing Parkway, Suite 110, Stockbridge, Georgia. Eagles Landing Diabetes and Endocrinology. Our business is your health. Visit us at eldiabetes.org. At ViStar Credit Union, you inspire us to deliver on our promise, to do good for our members and our communities. That's why we offer more banking options, like better rates and no hidden fees. We also give back, donating several million dollars to hundreds of nonprofits each year. Better financial lives, stronger communities. That's our focus. ViStar Credit Union. 
Do good. Bank better. Game Changers Media Network, Game Changers Magazine, Voices of the Village Podcast. And I'm back with Miss Yolanda Wright of Restore, Revive, Renew uh, Incorporated. Uh, now, Yolanda, we were talking about the faces of crime and how that looked when it came down to who the child molesters were, who the who, who these people were. Now, you have created an app, a, a app, a, a website where women can actually upload their content because one of the things that you notice when it came down to these women going to court and the things that they had to face they didn't have documentation tell us about that absolutely um one of the biggest thing for women when they go to court uh dealing with domestic violence or sexual abuse uh they don't have documentation especially if they never called the police okay uh you know there's like a sitting duck when it comes to uh winning in court okay so having a voice means so much when it comes to you know a court case dealing with domestic violence okay and you have no voice you can pretty much forget it mm -hmm. uh you know, I know of cases where men have assaulted women, um, beat the crap out of them, okay. and walked away with probation. Mm. You know? Wow. Um, because the woman had no proof, no nothing, no nothing, just okay. her word. Okay. Um, so, I created this app mm -hmm. and where women could upload documents that would be admissible in court okay videos photos right discreetly so if they ever need them okay they'll have them right there at their hand so except boom give it to my attorney here's all the proof that you need right right you know and it makes a world a difference i can tell you that because i'm one that didn't document anything oh wow I only called the police one time, and the one time that I called the police, he told me and my daughter, well, y'all got anywhere to go, y'all just go away for the night and uh, let him calm down. No. Yeah. And you got scars on your face, bruises on your body. Y'all go somewhere, you and your daughter. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Because that was the first time I had ever called. With no proof. With no proof. Okay. No record, no history of them ever coming out there. Uh, so, you know, I kept everything a secret. Okay. I didn't tell anybody. Didn't tell my family. Didn't tell the church. Right. Everything was a secret until nobody knew what was going. You know how? And just one thing, and I know this is in the black household, but I don't know about the white household, but you know you say, what goes on in the house stays in the house. Right. I grew up with that. What goes on stays within these four walls. Wow. You don't go out, and that's what we did. We kept it within the four walls. That's right. That's right. And, 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 and we're told that. We're told that. We're, we're told that in a lot of, and it's funny because I see, a, and, and, and let's emphasize because that's our culture, African-Americanism and black. Um, we grow up with that culture of what goes on in here stays in here. Don't tell nobody what's going on. And I think that's an oxymoron. It is. Yeah. And it backfired on me. Wow. You know, it backfired on me because when I came out of this, you know, everybody was looking at me like, 
Well, y'all were happy. He's a good guy. I like him. Okay. Even some of my family members, it was hard for them to believe because they had that relationship with him. Right, right. And it was hard for them to believe that there was another side okay. to him because I told nobody. Wow. I documented nothing. And even if you would have went to the pastor, he hung with the pastor. Absolutely. So the, I'm imagining that in just my interpretation of understanding the story, the pastor, no, no, you, no, Yolanda, just stay. He's a good man. You, you know, Absolutely. you get in check. You Absolutely. know what I mean? Da, 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 da. You know, um, let me ask you this. Do you think, do you think domestic, domestic and I'm going to go back to the app, but I want to ask you. Do you think domestic violence is a two-sided thing? Does it start where, where, because sometimes I think people's morals and values are different. Mm -hmm. do, do, do you think we get to know, or, or do you think it was a lack of getting to know him? Or do you think a lot of women just don't know who they're dating and they're just, oh, he's fine, or he's a good man, he's got a good job. And I don't think we really look at the morals and character of these people, men or women. I agree 100% because, like I said, I asked no questions. Okay. I was 25 years old. I asked no question. He was a good-looking man. Okay. He was a fine man. We had interest in music, uh -huh. going to concerts, sports. Hey, we like to do the same thing. I met this man at Fat Tooth's on Old National Highway. Okay. You know, so... That was my you no know, weekend thing, <laughs> Thursday through Sunday partying. Right, you right, know, with right. my girls. That's right. You know, and he was there. We met. Okay. We clicked. We had something in common. Okay. I asked no question, like I said, and he wasn't even from this area, so, you know. <laughs> hey, yeah. it was fun it at was... the beginning. Everything was fun. Right. And not knowing that. He came from a background of an abusive father. Oh, wow. Not knowing he came from a background of generational alcoholism. Mm. You know, not knowing this stuff. And then when this stuff started popping up in the marriage. Okay. Because we dated for about a year and a half before we got married. Right, right. And when the stuff started popping up in the marriage... You know, you like, oh, it's gonna get it's gonna get better. Okay. You know. Yeah. He's just drinking, you know, just to be hanging out with his friends. It's gonna get better. Okay. But it never got better, it got worse. It got worse. It got wow. worse. And then it looked like the more successful we were mm -hmm. with our careers, the more drinking was done. Correct. And the more abuse. That was done. Yes, yes. And I think and I think this has a large part um with the liber women's liberation movement now. Because um a lot of that comes from control. Oh, this is my money, I take care of you, this is my house. It's a whole lot of psychological factors that play in that. You know what I mean? And it's funny because right now, lately, the last this Christmas, the movie The Color Purple just came out. Mm -hmm. How do you think that that movie, well, it's been out. It's been out. How do you think that movie plays into the fact of bringing, you know, women's liberation and, you know, women coming from those different backgrounds being in abusive relationships? Because we saw Miss Seeley, who took a whooping, you know. Then we saw Miss Sophia, you know. Then we 
saw Sug Avery. You know, how did that correlate to kind of help women liberate and find their way? Um, and like I said, Color Purple was written a long time ago. Right. So um, it's still the same stuff still <laughs> happens today. Today. Even though it was written a long time ago, it's, it's the same the cycle is still still going on. Okay. Um, women are still dealing with the same thing. As a matter of fact, since the pandemic, uh -huh. domestic violence has surged. Has surged wow. since the pandemic. Um, and a lot of it has to do with mental health. Okay. A lot of it has to do with mental health. Okay. And like I said, I asked no questions when I got involved with my ex-husband, which he's deceased now. Right. But I asked no questions and I found out there was some mental health issues also. Okay. Okay. And a lot of mental health plays a role in that. Okay. A lot of these guys had no father figures also. They didn't know how to be a husband. Mm. They don't know how to be a partner. Wow. Wow. So when you put uh, a strong head woman okay. that's uh, been living an independent life and right. very strong and know what direction she want to go with it. And with a man that had no fatherly upbringing. Trying to figure it out. Trying to figure it out. Trying to figure it out as he go along with life. Okay. And you put them together no matter how much love is there. Right. At some point it's going to explode. Oh, wow. Wow. But me mental health is like high blood pressure. It's the silent killer. And and I think mental health got is is just now in awareness that's happening in the African American community. You know, so how do we even recognize that somebody you know, because we look at mental health the face of mental health looked like somebody in a straitjacket, uh they were crazy, they were foaming out the mouth, uh, they were talking to themselves. Like we put but but mental health is normal people walking around with psychological issues. So how does that how do we how do we diagnose that mental health where do we start? In my perspective, everybody needs a therapist. I got you. <laughs> and in my perspective, everybody needs a therapist. Cause I'm gonna be one hundred percent honest with you. Okay. If it if it wasn't for therapy, right? I may be crazy. <laughs> I totally you understand. You know, I'm saying right. because I've gone through a lot. Okay. I've gone through a lot. Person in my personal life, I've gone through a lot. Okay. Dealing with both parents dying of cancer, dealing with a abusive marriage. You know, going through a a hard divorce okay. trying to put my daughter through college by herself. Okay. You know, I went through a lot and mental health is for real. Correct. Because it was some times that I was like wanted to just pull my hair out and end it. Wow. You know? uh, therapy. And, but that's something else in our community that we we, you know, stray away from. We don't want to deal with sit down talking to a stranger right you know telling your problems right i don't know it's taboo wow but therapy helps and i truly believe everybody need a therapist everybody need a therapist and and you're absolutely correct because i i thought when my wife started going to therapy i thought she was crazy i'm like why are you going telling these people all your business Telling them all our business, telling them everything. But really, it was a healing process because of some of the ways she grew up, some of the ways I grew up. Even though I grew up in a two-parent household, it still didn't mean 
that I was better than her. And a lot of times we have this narrative that, oh, I grew up better than you. Oh, you grew up with this and that and that, you ain't have this and that. But a lot of times the mental health starts right there in those two parent households. It's and and you know, it doesn't matter where you come from. Absolutely. It doesn't matter where you come from. Because I came from a two parent household and all my husband he came from a two-parent household until his parents got a divorce. Okay. But his parents got a divorce, I think, when he was like about six months old. So, okay. you know, he didn't grow up in the household with a dad. Right, right, know? right. Uh, and he grew up with our sisters, you know, five sisters. So, you know. So, yeah, you don't know how to correlate with... You. Oh, my goodness, man. It's so many psychological mm -hmm. factors that play into that. Now, for these women that... For these women or men, because I know you're helping... You, it's not gender. It's not gender. It's not gender. It's restore, revive, renew. Mm -hmm. And what about those people who they go to the app, they're scared to load their information. They're, they're at the point where if they tell somebody, they, they might fear for their life of being killed. Like, how do we, how do you, how do you encourage them to step forward? You know what I'm saying? Because some people are just scared to tell again. I fear for my life. Wow. I fear for my life plenty of times. Okay. Uh, I can tell you it was times where I slept and the gun was right there on the dresser. Oh, wow. Uh, I didn't never know if he was going to pick it up and end my life right then or there. Um, fear is something that will definitely hold you back okay. from making the right move. Um, that's why the app is so important. Okay. Because if you can upload all of your information and know that it's going to be protected, it's going to be discreet, okay. nobody has access to it but you, mm. uh, that's your first step. Right. Okay. That's your first step. Mm. When, it, when it comes down to it, how, 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 can, how can people get to the website and the app? How, how the website is RestoreReviveRenew.org. Okay. And once you go to the website, you can access the app from there. Okay. Okay. Now, we're going to go to a commercial break. And I know we talked about the domestic violence. I know we talked about the 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 sex trafficking. We talked about the, um, uh, you know, gun, guns and felony, right, felony restoring their rights. But now I want to talk about the liberation of what life looks like after you're restored, revived, and renewed. Okay. Commercial break. Are you ready to enhance the best in you? Then Sculptures Body Spa at 885 Highway 138 West in Stockbridge, Georgia, can help you achieve just that. With over 35 years combined medical experience, we hope to be someone you can trust while you make important decisions about improving your health while enhancing your appearance. Our goal is to help you be the best you inside and out. It's our desire to help you reach your health goals by addressing your problem areas and creating a personal treatment plan with real Realistic goals for optimal results. You will enjoy your body sculpting treatments and spa therapies in a private and cozy atmosphere. Expect a peaceful, calming, and comfortable environment for your session while light, relaxing music being played. Our greatest reward is establishing close relationships with our clients and hearing news of the compliments they receive on their natural and refreshed appearance. For more information, call Sculptures Body Spa at 470-377-2552 or visit our website sculpturesbodyspa.com 
Big Chick King Stockbridge is now open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Start your morning off with a selection of biscuits and gravy, grits and eggs, to mouth-watering pancakes with bacon or sausage. It's your choice. Come dine in with us, take it to go carry out, or order online. Big Chick King is dedicated to serving our neighbors, family, and friends with our all-new Southern-style menu and the best fried chicken in South Atlanta Metro. Enjoy that good chicken with home-style cooked macaroni and cheese, mashed potatoes and corn, vegetables and green beans. Located at 1334 Highway 138 East in Stockbridge, Georgia, next to the Shell Plaza. We're open from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. Sunday through Saturday. For more information, visit BigChickKing.com. The best fried chicken hot and fresh out of the kitchen. My boss got me out the back door and told me, get in my car and leave. Don't go home. He came to the job. He came through the warehouse with a gun looking for me. No. So literally about to kill you. About to kill me. Oh, my goodness, man. Because I had threatened to leave. What does leaving look like? How, how did you how, how were you able? So when it comes to that point where you've had enough, OK, um, it's time to restore, review, restore, revive, renew your life, and you're at that point. But you know you're fearing for your life. What, what was some of the? What, what made you say, "I'm taking my daughter, and we gone"? I mean, you leaving everything behind. We talking about the house. We talking about every clothes, probably everything. Your livelihood. I tell you what was, what was the what they call it? The straw that broke the camel's back. Okay. Um. He and my daughter mm -hmm. got into a fist fight. She was about 16 at the time. Mm -hmm. And when he came at my daughter. Right. Like, and I was at work. Wow. And when he came and I, the neighbor called me. Okay. And told me what was going on. Mm. I knew it was time. She fought him back like a man, though. Right, 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 right. But I knew it was time because I'm like, this is going to get ugly. Somebody's going to get killed. Mm. Because I know she had endured all of this, just sitting, listening, and watching it, and keeping right. quiet over the years. Right. So, you know, all of this stuff was in her. Okay. So when he attacked her. Mm-hmm. It it it, it could have got back. It was time to go. Yeah. Now, what did your daughter like hear? Um, you and your husband fight growing up as a as a little girl. Yeah. Like you, you know, how do you think that affected her? It it really did. It affected her a lot. Okay. Did she have a Did she have a stereotype or a way or, or a negative perspective of her father? Did she have a negative perspective of you? Did she Did she ever blame you and say, "Hey, mom, you're not doing anything, something mm. right"? What was the perspective that you think that made her kind of see and decipher what was going on? One thing about her, she went off to college um, the same year we finalized the divorce. She okay. went off to college. Okay. And I think that was helpful for her. For her. Okay. Because um, she was in a totally different environment. Okay. Meeting new people. Uh, but their relationship dwindled. Okay. And that was because it had nothing to do with our relationship. Right. It had to do with the relationship he had with her. Mm. You know, and I never encouraged her to go against her father. Right, right, right. Because 
he was going to be her father until he left this earth. That's right. That's you right. Know? So I never encouraged her to go against her father. He became distanced from her. Okay. And, and went on with his life. Wow. And up until the day he died, uh-huh. the day he died is when he tried to make amends. And that was only because he made a phone call to me mm. after we hadn't talked for, for the years because my mom was dying. Okay. And he was in an accident the same day my mom died. A few hours before she died, he was in a fatal accident. He had called me on his way to the Super Bowl party asking about my mom. And I told him, I said, I told him the condition of my mom. I said, don't you think you need to call your daughter and make things right with your daughter? Right. And he went on this rant about, you know, we don't see eye to eye and all of that stuff. Hours later, he was dead. What? Yes. My Lord. So therapy is what helped her. Therapy is what helped her. Man, go get therapy. Make sure you guys, you know, I, I personally, I was naive to therapy myself. So I totally 100% agree with you um, in, in that. Now, a lot of women are staying, a lot of women and a lot of men are staying in these lifestyles, in these lifestyles because they feel like there's nowhere else to go. What, what do you say to those women and those men who are stuck in those lifestyles? What, what, what is the first thing you tell them? There's no such thing as being stuck. Mm. No such thing as being stuck. You know, sometimes you don't want to change that lifestyle because you've gotten accustomed to living a certain way. Okay. And then you figure, I have to start all over. There's nothing wrong with starting all over. Okay. Let me tell you something. I hadn't lived with my parents since I was 18 years old. Because uh, when I left going to college, I never returned back home to live with my parents. I've been on, I was out on my own since I was 18 years old right. until I went back in 2009 uh, because I walked away from this marriage. Okay. I went back and lived in my bedroom that I grew up in <laughs> with my daughter until she went off to college. Okay. Okay. So she, we stayed in my one bedroom where I grew up in as a child. Together, slept in the same bed with all our stuff. <laughs> right, right. Until she went out to college two or three months later. Okay. I stayed there until I could get on my feet. Right. And get my own place. So, you know, all the shame went out the window. Okay. Wow. Because I was free. Okay. Okay. That was the first time I had felt freedom. Wow. And felt that I could breathe. In years. And see where you were going. Yes. That man, that that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. When we when we when we look at when we look at the faces of domestic violence and the faces of sex trafficking, um, the misconception, the stereotypes that we have around it, where do you feel like where do you feel like um what can what what is Restore Revive Renew looking to do to help educate those who who are, you know, Un, you know, uneducated or, you know, don't know, they're, they're naive to the situation. What, do, what is your organization doing to provide education? Are you partnering with any community organizations? Well, you, what's coming up for Restore Revival? What, what's coming up for Restore Revival? No, we're going to provide for victims okay. of sex trafficking and for domestic violence. Okay. We will provide legal counseling for those that 
needed. Right. We will provide life coaching, which you definitely need. You definitely need life coaching. Yes. And our plans for the future is a safe house. Okay. Now, when I say a safe house, a temporary safe house. So if I get a phone call in the middle of the night, say, me and my kids are fleeing. We have nowhere to go. Okay. I got you. Right, right, right. I got a safe place for you to go. Okay. You know, um, because right now, Henry County only has one domestic violence shelter. That's the Haven House. Oh, and wow. And it's always full. It's always full. And I want to go back. I, I, now, we got all these pastors, all these churches in Henry County. And, and, and I got to just put it on record because, I mean, the truth is the truth. We have all these big buildings. We talking about buildings that people don't even use 24 hours. You know what I'm saying? Why why is why why are we not building shelters or using some of these gyms, these life centers, some of even the church, you know what I'm saying, where these could be rescue havens. It seems like and I was just talking to one of my brothers about this. It seems like and, and, and by no way am I a Muslim or favoring towards Islam right. or Christianity. I'm a follower of Christ. I, I love God. You know, that's mm -hmm. me. But what I've seen is we tell people in these churches, praise God, praise God, come to him, give your problems to him. And uh, you're going through this, you're going through that. But it's really no structural systems to help people after they give their life to Christ. None. None whatsoever. What do you say to like a lot of these churches who have like gyms, life centers? Uh, I mean, they these buildings sit here seven days a week unused. They used on Sunday morning, if that. You are if, a, if an organization is holding some type of function. How, how wh what do we need to do as the body of Christ in order to kind of help get, you know fight this? I mean, homelessness. You know, felons getting restored. And these domestic and these domestic violent cases who don't have a place to go, they got to go to a hotel. Well, I feel like churches need to do more collaboration with nonprofits out here. Okay. You know, real uh, collaboration. Uh -huh, though. Real collaboration with nonprofit, not just for the image. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're doing outreach, uh, but you're not reaching a lot of the community that needs you. Okay. Um, there's, it makes no sense Henry County is this big and we only have the Haven House Yeah. Uh, for women. Uh, every time you call the Haven House, they're full. It makes no sense that when I want to go help the homeless or uh, women in shelters, okay. I got to go all the way to Atlanta to find shelters to Correct. do some community service in. Correct. Correct. And we have problems here right here in this community correct you know if you're listening i for one that wants to open up a safe house right you know if you have a building collab with me i mean come on you know <laughs> come up see they're on the ground yes yes and you have more access to these people because you are boots on the ground, mm -hmm. feet on the ground, and you know the stories of what's going on. Absolutely. And, and I'm pretty sure, and I know we can't say it on record, but I'm pretty sure you know one woman probably right now or man that's going through a domestic violence Absolutely. case that has nowhere to go. Absolutely. I am the face of domestic violence. Wow. I am the face of domestic violence. So, you know, it, it, there's no look to it. Right. You know, 
I am. I have lived that life. I have, for one, needed a safe house because I was too afraid to tell my parents what was going on. Mm. So I had nowhere to go. Right, right, right. That's crazy. Man, restore, revive, renew. When it it just comes down to it, Yolanda, I I believe I'm thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you for sharing the narrative and thank you for... um, sharing the story of domestic violence, letting us know what the face of domestic violence is. It's not just happening in the projects. It's not just happening in the hood. It's not just, ha- it's not a, it's not a, 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 a classification thing. There's not, that's not. And, and let me say this. I am the face of domestic violence, but you're seeing transform. Right. face of domestic violence. The restore, revive, renew yeah, version. Absolutely, because where I came from, where I am now, okay. took nothing but the grace of God and surrounded myself with the people that really cared for me. Yes. Genuinely cared for me. Yes, yes. And um, this is what I want to do for victims. Okay. I want them to bring them out of the darkness into the light. Okay. Um. You know, you think that starting over is hard. I have more now than I ever had. I see. <laughs> for the 17 years that I was married. Right. And, and a peace of mind. And a peace of mind. I can go to sleep at night. Mm. And I don't have to be looking over my shoulder. Wow. You know? So... There is life after domestic violence. There's life after sex trafficking. Okay. But you have to surround yourself with the right people. Wow. Man, we want to thank you, um, Ms. Wright, for taking the time out, sharing your story, giving us the giving us the insight on what domestic violence and the sex trafficking looks like and um Again, give us that website so we can go, you know, I want people to be able to go to that website, check it out, hear your story, and, you know, make sure they see what's going on in in the process. Where do we go? Yes. If you are a victim, especially, please go to the website, RestoreReviveRenew.org. Okay. And look at everything on the website, read everything on the website, read my story on the website, but download upload your information for your safekeeping okay so you can have in case you need it one day awesome and how can how can those who want to participate volunteer do they need to go to the website or do they need to call you email you how do, those that want to volunteer and be a part of the organization because i've seen you out with 10 other women in the organization and y'all guys are rolled deep so yes yeah you can always contact me through rrr I-N-C hope at gmail.com. That's R-R-R-I-N-C hope at gmail.com. That's restore, revive, renew, I-N-C hope at gmail.com. That's what the R-R-R stands for. Please contact me if you want to volunteer. We have some projects coming up. We're going down to the mission to do stuff because like I said, you know, because Henry County just don't have a lot of things to do. We're going down to the uh, mission sisters, my sister's house, and do a lot of work. Uh, so if you want to volunteer, come on board. I am Country Fly, and this is my conversation with Miss Yolanda Rice.